I don't think there's any doctor out there that can say they conducted interviews and exams, you know, their first year out of med school as they did their 10th year out of med school. It's a completely different process. You know, your ability to make people feel comfortable and understand processes because you've had that experience and you've added that art of medicine to your style or to your repertoire can make a huge difference. Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. You can see it. I mean, it's crystal clear. I think it's going to really revolutionize things. Which is a big game changer. All information discussed or provided by Jonathan Bakhtari, MD, Dr. Bakhtari, and or his affiliates and guests are for educational purposes only. The information discussed and provided is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical concern or condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of any information discussed or provided by Dr. Bakhtari or his affiliates and guests. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call 911 immediately. So welcome to another episode of Bakhtari MD. I'm Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari, and today we're going to be talking about people who want to become doctors. So you want to be a doctor. So that's what we're going to cover today. And there's a lot that goes into it. So, you know, the one thing I want to talk about being uh, choosing to be a doctor is literally to choose to be a doctor is a decision you need to make realistically when you're 18. I can't think of a worse time in someone's life to make a decision that's going to impact them for the next 50 years. Because when you're 18, you make a lot of good decisions, but you also make a lot of bad decisions. It's probably not a stage in your life where you can really relate to what you're going to want when you're 28 or 38 or 48. You know, most 18 year olds can you know, barely know what they want for breakfast that morning, let alone what their life should look like when they're 28 or 38 or 48 or 58 or 68. Unfortunately, to be to maximize your chance to get into medical school, uh, you really need to make that decision around the age of 18 or 19. Yes, there are people who make it later in college or there are people who you know, go back to college later in life and then apply to med school, of course. But let's focus on what I would call more the straight arrows. The straight arrows are the term we use for people who just go to high school, go to college, go to medical school, residency, fellowship, and they're just like a straight arrow. Uh, there are many other people who, of course, you know, get a law degree and then go to med school or whatever, but they're not the majority. They're, they're the minority. The bulk of people going to medical school are the straight arrows. And those straight arrows, who I guess, who I want to talk to first, because the straight arrows have to make their decision at 18 or 19 because your requirements to get into med school are things that are ideally things that you'll want to focus on early in your college career. It's hard in your senior year to say, oh, I'm going to take all these pre-med courses and I got to get great grades, I got to do research and volunteer and all the things that are going to maximize your chances to get into medical school. So I think the real issue is, are there a lot of 18-year-olds that really know what they want to do for the rest of their lives? Obviously there are, because there's tons and tons of 18-year-olds that are pre-med, you know, right out of the gate when they start college. And to those people, you know, you really have to wonder what it is about 
you know, going to medicine that that's attracting them. You know, a lot of 18 year olds want to become pre-med because they either like the concept of helping people, want to be in a profession that gives back, takes care of people, makes an impact. You know, there's some economic security certainly associated with that. Uh, so there's a lot of attractive uh, parts of medicine theoretically. And of course, there's some downsides, which maybe at 18 is not clear uh, to some people, especially if they go into medicine and, and choose a specialty that requires a lot of their time, the sacrifices they're going to have to make in terms of family life and other sacrifices throughout their 20s and 30s and beyond are things that they need to factor in. So I think, you know, when you're 18 years old and you want to figure out what you want out of life in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, you have to factor in, you know, what is really going to make you happy. And now choosing medicine is obviously a very gratifying um, career. Some people call that a calling from, you know, God. Uh, you are able to really impact people. So what I want to do in today's talk is let's let's talk about what going into medicine really will mean for you. And then let's talk about some of the downsides of going to medicine. Not that that should dissuade you, but that you should factor it in. So let's talk about medicine in general. So if you're pre-med or you're thinking about becoming pre-med, you know, one of the amazing things about going into medicine is it really is a privilege and an honor to be a, a physician and to be a healthcare provider. You know, there's very few other professions um, you can think of that, you know, someone would come in and within a few minutes tell you intimate things about their lives or things that are going on in their bodies or to, you know, partially disrobe, let you touch them and examine them. And, and part of that is an immense honor because they're entrusting you to uh, take care of them in ways that um, that other professions really, you know, aren't prepared or meant to do. You don't go to your accountant and share your intermost issues that you're having with your body or things that are going on in your life. And certainly it's it's a unique opportunity to get people's trust right out of the gate and, and help them. So understanding that it's such a privilege to be in medicine and you are going to be put in a very unique position where people are going to even out of the from the minute they meet you are going to give you a certain amount of trust uh and credibility that is not found almost in any other profession that is extremely satisfying especially if if that's important to you the idea that people are going to trust you and want your help is a privilege and you need to look at it as a privilege uh it's, it's just because you went to, through med, uh, pre-med and medical school doesn't mean that's a right still it's a privilege to be in that position that people can trust you and share those things with you and also you can make an impact on their lives depending on how committed you are you can literally make a an immense difference on uh, on people's life and not only how you help them medically but how you serve up the information how you present the information i can't tell you the number of times where people have told me oh i you know i went to that specialist you referred to me and boy oh boy after talking with him i had a whole new perspective it didn't really change the diagnosis it didn't change you know what the treatment plan was but it gave them a certain outlook 
uh, depending on how hopeful, how much uh, care that was conveyed, it can make a huge difference. So th- these are some of the amazing upsides of, of becoming pre-med and becoming a doctor, that you will be in that position to you know, earn people's respect and then also ha- have an impact on their lives. Uh, you know, there was a study that I once saw that was amazing. It talked about, uh, you know, if a doctor simply mentions in their visit, which, which is unrelated to, for example, smoking, but if they mention in passing, hey, you should quit smoking to their smokers, you know, a significant portion of people will stop smoking just because their doctor said it in a conversation unrelated to that visit. Same thing with doctors who don't say it. If you don't say, by the way, you should quit, do you smoke, you should quit smoking. People say, well, you know, I went to the doctor, he didn't bring it up and I'm smoking. If it was really important, he would have brought it up. So I'm gonna continue to smoke. So it tells you that even, you know, a side comment during a visit can have a huge impact on patients. And also you have to be very careful with the words you choose because of that. You know, one of the things I teach my medical students is, especially if they've done other things before they've gone to medical school, is people in a doctor's appointment are hanging on to every single word you're saying. Literally, to how you phrase something is exquisitely important. You you know, saying the exact same thing three ways will have three different emotional. Uh, results often on people. There's a Seinfeld episode which always stuck with me that had to do with doctors. And in the Seinfeld episode, I believe George has some sort of mole that he's worried that it might be cancer and he thinks he's dying. And he goes to see a doctor and the doctor says, well, um, I don't know what that is, but you know, we'll do a biopsy. And then George comes back and he says, oh my gosh, it must be something horrible. And because it's horrible because he didn't say, I get out of here. That's nothing. Yeah, it's probably going to be nothing. We'll just do a biopsy. So, I mean, just saying we'll do a biopsy without saying, I ah, get out of here. Don't worry about it. It just shows you that even, you know, lowering the temperature in a room by adding an editorial comment, not to say you're, you're not going to do a biopsy and you're not going to, but that episode, for example, really highlighted to me what I know from everyday experience, which is how you serve up the information is almost as important as what the information is. Uh, that doesn't mean you need to mislead or uh, you know downplay things that aren't important, but simply even when they are important, uh, you know, to serve it up correctly. And this is why the art of medicine is always brought up in terms of you know, medicine's a science and it is an art. I don't think there's any doctor out there that can say they conducted interviews and exams, you know, their first year out of med school as they did their 10th year out of med school. It's a completely different process. You know, your ability to make people feel comfortable and understand processes because you've had that experience and you've added that art of medicine to your style or to your repertoire can make a huge difference. Uh, and that's why a lot of times you'll you'll see people say, I went to see his doctor. Oh, he was so cold or he was, I didn't feel like he cared or she cared. Uh, but I think a lot of that, you know, for, may be true. And, and if it is true, a lot of it is probably, you know, uh, as physicians grow and they master the art of medicine, it's really, really important. So why am I sharing all this with you? 
because this is the stuff that you will, the amazing stuff you will have to look forward to. But in looking at some of the downsides, of course, you know, um, I think, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, there was the sense that if you became a physician, you'd have a lot of autonomy, you know, be your own boss, maybe. And I think that is probably the thing that's really going away really in an amazing, rapid way. I mean, the, the idea that physicians graduating anytime soon will have that kind of autonomy where it's their own practice, they'll be able to set their own style, their own schedule, see the kind of patients they necessarily want to see or don't want to see or practice a certain way or you know, have a certain philosophy of practicing. Yes, maybe within a limited fashion, of course, every physician has his own style. But I think this whole idea that I'll have my own autonomy of you know, where I'm going to work and, you know, what kind of practice it will be. A lot of times when you finish residency and, and, and medical school and residency, you, you know, the, the market is going to dictate to you where you're going to practice, what you're going to practice. And, uh, you know, the old days of running your own, you know, hanging up your shingles and running your own practice are getting rarer and rarer. So I think the lore, when I certainly was in medical school for a lot of us, was this idea that we were going to, you know, have our own thing that our own shtick, our own thing that we were going to set up. But that's n not true anymore. There's, I mean, anyone who still thinks that is probably not being uh, honest with themselves. I, I, yes, are there exceptions? Of course. Uh, but I think uh, more and more practices are being bought out by corporations and hospital chains and more and more physicians are now working for a company an organization a hospital uh the likelihood that someone graduating tomorrow is going to be able to hang up their shingles and work autonomously is less and less and even if you were able to do that even if you were able to do that and you hung your own shingles the ability to choose um, exactly how you wanted to practice is a lot of times removed by a different method, which is the contracts you'll have to agree to with different insurers, uh, where they will basically on some level give you less autonomy than maybe 20, 30 years ago. You're more, you, what you can do, what you can order, how, you know, doesn't need prior authorization. And, you know, your ability to have the kind of say that physicians had 30 years ago uh, is less. Now, some would argue that's for the better and that is, you know, that you don't have, you know, doctors just doing whatever they want, held more accountable. And I'm some of that is for sure true. But uh, the flip side of it is, yes, uh, physicians coming out now are going to have to give up a lot of their autonomy compared to 30, 40 years ago. Um, in terms of not only, uh, you know, where you practice, how you practice, but also to some extent, you know, being dictated to follow certain protocols or, you know, you got to do this before you can do that. Uh, and some of that is for the better. You know, some of that is more standardized, what have you, but some of it isn't. Some of it is you literally being dictated to. I hear that from my physician friends all the time that, you know, I kind of feel, quote unquote, like the insurance company is running the show, not me. Uh, you know, some of that is an exaggeration, but some of that is also true. So, I think going into medicine thinking that you're going to have a lot, a lot of autonomy is is dwindling away. And and 
you know the the direction is going is that it will be less and less autonomous uh, as the years roll by. That's certainly the pattern and the consolidation where hospital hospitals are buying out practices and then corporations are buying out hospitals and they're consolidating and what have you. So um, I think if I was pre-med right now, I would probably envision a world where you know, more than likely I will be working for someone, literally collecting a paycheck, you know, the 401k and blah, blah, blah. I think it will be much more likely to be in that direction than someone who's an ind- is running an independent business, meaning hanging up your shingles and having your own practice. So I think that is the great divide. Now, one of the upsides of that has been lifestyle. I think you know, physicians who used to run their own practice, you know, uh, because they were the show, you know, think of it like opening a pizzeria, you're going to put in whatever hours it takes to make that a success. And same thing with a medical practice, not to compare it to a pizzeria, but still, uh, when you're running your own practice, you you can put in endless of uh, endless amount of hours into it, ver- versus when you're working for someone else, uh, yes, you lose autonomy, but what you actually gain is you gain a regimented lifestyle. So you may work 40 hours a week and have time for family and friends and children and what have you. So that's a mixed bag working for for someone else. Uh, but if you are working for someone else, you'll have better lifestyle. But then the flip side of that, of course, is financially uh, you will have some limits to what your upside is. So if you're you're pretty much exchanging the autonomy and somewhat limit on your on your financial side for a better lifestyle, a more predictable lifestyle, more predictable hours. So that's probably the most glaring changes that has happened in the last 10, 20 years. So if you're pre-med now, you uh, the idea that you're going to go into medicine and and have autonomy that's probably going to go away, but your lifestyle is probably going to get better, but your financial side may be somewhat more limited than before. If I'm not the first person telling you this, then yeah, you should really understand that this is the new world of medicine uh, that has evolved in the last 10, 20 years. So the next thing I want to really talk about is if you're thinking about being pre-med, what kind of commitment is that? Um, you know, first of all, to get into any decent medical school, you're going to need to have excellent grades, you know, a 3.5, 3.8, whatever. I, I don't know what the average is now, but certainly it's, a, you know, you need to have pretty much A's in college. And honestly, to have A's in college uh, has very little to do with how smart you are, has more to do with how many hours you're planning on putting into every course. And if you're an 18, 19 year old and you have a lot of other distractions, a lot of other interests, you're watching a lot of YouTube (laughs) or whatever, uh, you know, that's going to be challenging. And the last thing you want to do is, you know, go through four years and not get into medical school. So you want to maximize your chances to get to get into medical school, which of course, number one means having amazing grades, pretty much straight A's. I mean, a couple of B's here and there. It, certainly if you want to pick your medical school, you're going to need straight A's pretty much across the board. If you want to pick, if you don't want to pick and you th- 
you'll get in, you know, you'll go wherever you get accepted. You know, having less than an A average is probably, I guess, okay. And the further you are away from a 4.0 is the, the worst it's going to get in terms of you picking. Of course, you have to combine that with taking the MCATs and, and doing well on those, as well as being well-rounded and uh, volunteering, doing research, and doing community service, and, and showing other interest in medicine. So I don't need to go into that. There's, I'm sure, lots of uh, you know, courses and and course and guidelines for how to optimize your application. But forget about the specifics. Globally speaking, though, this is a huge commitment for an 18, 19, 20-year-old. You know, it means not going to as many parties as your friends. It means, you know, uh, putting in 12-hour days on the weekends potentially to get through organic chemistry, physics. And if you're not ready for that, everything I said in the first part of the video doesn't really matter, does it? Right? Because it's like the old adage, you know, like someone may say, hey, I want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, you know, in his prime. Uh, well, I said, well, why don't you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, I don't want to go to the gym six hours a day for, you know, five years. So, you know, it's something, it's one thing to say, I want to be a doctor. I want to be pre-med. I want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. But are you going to put in what it takes to get there? Because if it came in a bottle, if getting a 4.0, you know, came in a bottle, you just buy it, everyone would go to medical school. Uh, I think the reason some people who want to go to medical school don't go to medical school is while they may want to go to medical school, they do not want to put in the tremendous amount of hours in probably, you know, the prime of your life, uh, you know, uh, hanging out in a library or, you know, studying with, you know, in a lab somewhere. So I think you have to understand what is going to be asked of you if you want to get, especially if you want to get into great medical school or you want to get into the medical school of your choice, you can pretty much kiss your 18 to 21 year, uh, you know, period, you know, goodbye in terms of having a lots of free time to do lots of outside interest. That doesn't mean, of course, you can't do other stuff, uh, especially, you know, in the summers or spring break or what have you, but it is a real commitment of time. And if you're not prepared for that and you just, you know, think you're going to sleepwalk through college and then get into medical school, that's probably not going to happen. So I think, you know, the first part of the video, we talked about, you know, the pros and cons of medicine. But if after all that, you're like, yes, I want to go, then you have to understand, hey, what am I, what am I being asked of? And then the other thing to realize is, even if you're successful in getting into medical school and a good medical school, then you're talking about another four years of a lot of time commitments and then a potentially another you know three to six years of residency and fellowship so it's you know if you include four years of college four years of medical school let's say three years of residency three years of fellowship we're talking about 14 years you know from 18 to 30 or 32 where you have this immense time commitment so again, if you want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you got to go to the gym six hours a day, drink a lot of protein and all that stuff. If you want to, you know, get into med school and have this amazing medical career, you know, you may be looking at uh, a, a big time commitment from the age of 18 to close to 30. You have to understand that going in, right? And are you prepared to do that and the sacrifices that involves? So I don't want to end on that note because I want to tell you something 
if you can get through all that and get have the privilege of of getting through and and coming out on the other end there's an immense amount of satisfaction in ways that no other career can give you there's nothing else like saving a life making an impact on someone's life altering the course of people's lives in ways that you can't even begin to imagine you can't even i wish i could tell you the hundreds and thousands of times patients family members have come up to me and said you or another doctor i referred them to really like changed everything for them so there are very other the few other professions that allow you to have this impact so um you know i think the most common question i get and i was on a podcast you know this morning they asked me the same question you know was it worth it and you know uh, what it means to you and you know having gone through it i can tell you on the other side it's really really immensely rewarding and the ability to and and the privilege to impact people's lives uh in ways that very very few other professions allow you yes are there good cpas that you know can make your life easier yes you know uh, if you find a a good uh you know um even dentist or not to minimize that or you find a good person to help you you remodel your house or whatever but there's very few things that can change your life like a physician or a healthcare professional which includes you know other healthcare professionals too it's a very unique opportunity that if it is your cup of tea you should not pass it up you will have a very thrilling experience uh while you're going through the process and uh coming out of it uh i want to end on really one funny note because i think this idea that you know if you go through medical school that you'll have this privilege to save lives and help people uh i remember finishing medical school and starting my internship and it was my first night of being on call literally my first night and actually it was the first day of internship they put me on call and um i remember you know at 5 6 o'clock when everyone left and i was the la- last member of the team who was going to sleep at the hospital so i got a page uh back then pagers i got a page from a nurse who said uh hey dr bakhtari i want to just let you know uh mr smith uh, in room blah 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 is short of breath or something like that and i remember the thing running through my mind saying oh wow mr some some guy is very short of breath why aren't they calling a doctor and i'm like oh they're calling i am the doctor it's really it, when when that finally hits you you're like wow what a privilege what an honor you know and so i think even when you go through it it's, you, you, at some point you, you've heard it before you have like this imposter syndrome you can't believe someone's calling you to help other people and when that happens to you you really get a sense of what an honor it is So anyway, so I hope that helps you. I hope that gives you the big picture on some of the things you have to chew on and think about in making your decision whether you want to go to medical school. Thank you for listening. You can check out my website jonathanbaktarimd.com to sign up for my newsletter and you can watch this full episode over on my YouTube channel baktarimd where you can leave questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes. As always, be well. Thank you. <laughs>